Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 267, I am your host, Jared White. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. It is wonderful to be here with you today, Jared. Wonderful. Little little late Valentine celebration for us, you know. We've yes. uh, been doing this podcast now for, what is it, seven years? Six years? A long time. A very long time. It doesn't always feel like it. Uh, it's it's crazy. When I actually go back on the YouTube channel, it looks like the oldest upload. And it's so funny because it's attached to the first Division game. Like That's how I always remember it. Is uh, I remember yeah. us talking about the Division on the first ever podcast with our old co-host. So, yeah, we're still here, still kicking, still enjoying doing this show every week. Uh, pretty cool show this week. We got some quickie news involving uh, upcoming PlayStation events. Uh, we talked about you know Nintendo having their direct... Xbox having their developer digital, developer direct, developer direct. Not developer digital. That's yeah, not developer digital. Got some news on 4A games in the future of Metro, um, respawn devs, and then we're the the topic of the show is going to be about the Embracer Group, Don, because they've been embracing a lot of developers, and they actually made two pretty substantial announcements. At least the CEO did regarding the next five years of the publisher with two specific, one of it's ha- has to do with one of the licenses they own. Cause you know, they own various licenses for, for stuff IP. And the other one's about uh crystal dynamics and Eidos Montreal, which obviously they purchased from Square Enix. So we'll get into that later, but first uh, let's get into this PlayStation event. You know, Jeff Grubb from giant bomb. Everybody does the rumor spreader. This sounds like it has a negative connotation to it, but <laughs> it's meant to be positive. Um, so basically, he went and revealed uh, a little bit after we did last week's episode that PlayStation is planning a smaller, low-key state of play for PlayStation that'll take place in either late February or early March of 2023. Um, and then he also stated, in addition to this state of play, Grubb also said that they will save some significant announcements for a, quote, big boy, end quote, showcase taking place before the normal E3 timeframe that being early to mid-June of 2023. Those were unfamiliar. They make kind of a key difference when it's a state of play. They're usually smaller um, with a lot of either indie to mid-level uh, games. Sometimes there's AAA games and also sometimes first-party titles from, from PlayStation. But the showcase are their E3 presentations, for better or worse, where they tend to announce like the next slate for video games or reveal third-party partnerships, etc., so let's talk about the state of play first, Dom, that Grubb says is probably happening at the end of February, though he said there's some leeway there where it could slip into early March. I, Off the top of my head, I was thinking what games could be shown at this, um, especially with us knowing about this showcase, which we'll get to after that. And here are the five indie games I specifically thought could show up, Dom. First up, we got Sea of Stars, because we recently got the release date at the Nintendo Direct. And it's only coming to Nintendo and PlayStation platforms and PC. It's not coming to Xbox. Oh, I didn't uh, know at launch, anyways. It'll probably end up being ported, I assume, because that's the same way. Same thing that happened with the Messenger. Um, Goodbye, Volcano High. I don't know if you remember this. This was like an indie coming of age narrative game that was announced, I believe, at the PlayStation Five reveal event. Uh, it had like dinosaurs in high school, anthropomorphic dinosaurs. That one has kind of gone under the radar. We haven't seen it since, so this seems like the proper time for that. Little Devil Inside, speaking of games that were present at the PlayStation 5 reveal that have kind of disappeared. That game kind of went uh, on an indefinite delay. Um, if you remember, it's uh, there's some like 
claymation and perspective and tilt shift going on with that game. It looks really cool, just we don't know what happened. I, I remember, wasn't there previews for this game, Dom, where people said they had a lot of like performance issues and like bugs and stuff? I don't even remember this one, but I'm going to have to look this up for sure. Uh, well, you're to getting get to that. Idea, uh, one game that I didn't know that was announced in 2019, the follow-up to Blasphemous, Blasphemous 2. Oh, uh, really? Apparently there's rumblings that that could possibly come out this year or next year. That's a game that I could see popping up here as well. And uh, the last one is something you called out, Rogue Legacy 2. Uh, obviously, that hasn't come to PlayStation yet, which is so funny because the first title was associated with the PlayStation platform. And it seems about time. It's been on Nintendo and Xbox platforms for a while now. Um, obviously, I talked about it during our Game of the Year episode, so that seems like it might be um, coming around. Did you end up seeing Little Devil Inside ringing any bells? Yeah, it doesn't look familiar. Like, I don't remember seeing this before. But it, it, it cool. was like at a bunch of state of plays and even the, the PlayStation reveal showcase, it was like popping up everywhere like stray. And then it just got, got indefinitely delayed and we haven't seen it since. It was very weird. Yeah, cool. It's a cool art style and um, aesthetic and kind of like this weird spooky. That's the best word. Not horror, but more like just spooky but also adventurous. Kind of all sorts of stuff going on in this trailer. So those are the five games I listed. Uh, from your perspective, uh, you you know do you do you think those are some decent uh, things that could pop up and is there anything I missed that you think like oh maybe that'll pop up in terms of indie or even a you know triple A game or something? Obviously, uh, Hollow Knight is the one that we expect to come up somewhere just based on timing, right? Because we know it if it come if it's going to come out you know in the first half of this year like we expect it to, um, like Xbox kind of insinuated it would then we should be hearing about it pretty soon, right? Um, The only reason I didn't list it here is because I would put money on it having a marketing deal with either Nintendo or Xbox. So I I would bet money on the next time we see it is from one of them. But Yeah, it could be. And obviously there's more. It doesn't even have to be in an event like this. It could just get tweeted out one day. As sometimes that stuff happens. Please, no Nintendo. (laughs) Um. That's obviously one that we're gonna. I'm gonna keep predicting any day now. It's like we've got to be able to see more of it soon. Um, otherwise, though, I would expect a lot of more niche, super Japanese games at this showcase. That seems to be like whenever PlayStation describes their state of play, set. state of play, yeah, state of play, not just showcase. Yep, because um, showcase is what they call the bigger ones, like you're saying. So, um, it seems like. When they describe their state of plays as, uh, I don't know, smaller or or the way Grub described this one, like that's what it consists of is like some of those more low niche, key were his words specifically. Low key. Yeah. So I, I would expect a lot of that. I'm not, I don't know any specific examples, but we saw some Nintendo seems to like to do the remasters of those itch games um, at their direction. I, I feel like PlayStation likes to do just the super niche. Um, super Japanese kind of stuff uh, to fill it out and like and that's always like for people like you and I we're, we're kind of left wanting more when it's mostly that but really I'm hoping for Hollow Knight still uh, everything we talk about of upcoming anything like I'm hoping that we hear about Hollow Knight at it I don't even care anymore about platform whatever it's gotta happen soon yeah I, I just don't see it I think there's like a negative percent chance that it happens at a PlayStation event and honestly I hope I'm proven wrong I hope I eat my goddamn words I hope 
even before the trailer plays, it's like, Jared, you were wrong, you asshole, and then we get the release date. Uh, I just don't see that happening personally for the PlayStation stuff. But the interesting thing here is that with the timing of Jeff Grubb saying that the showcase, which we'll get into now, being right before E3, which is, like I said, the early to mid-June, which means that the showcase should probably happen in May at some point, probably like mid to late May, I think that the uh, state of play could have one AAA title, and that's uh, Final Fantasy XVI. Um, not that it wouldn't be in the showcase near E3, but that game releases in June, I believe, June or July. So it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of double up with Final Fantasy XVI, where it is maybe the big part of this state of play, and it kind of goes with your, they're going to have more Japanese-centric stuff probably, uh, and that could be the, the end trailer or something for it. Hopefully it's not the one more thing. Hopefully it's like the thing right before that. Um, and then we'll see it again probably at the showcase. In terms of the showcase specifically, this well, has to be where we get the Spider-Man 2 blowout, I assume. That makes sense. I do want to back up because I just have like the most obvious realization at the state of play. We're sure to get some VR stuff, right? Because that thing did it launch yet, or is it just the reviews? No, the the pre the previews and reviews are out now. I'm gonna look up the exact release date real quick while you talk. It's it's soon. I think it's at maybe still within February, if not, then sometime in March um, when that releases and and its launch lineup is uh, not you know next not, week the twenty second. Okay, so it's like already here. So yeah, um, and its launch lineup is not, you know, knock your socks off, great. So, and even when they described it, I saw a graphic where they showed launch window games, and it's you know like twenty something games or whatever. But when you describe it as launch window, it's like immediately disingenuous. Um, and so yeah, I would expect that we see all like anything that they have that they can advertise for VR two, they're gonna. They're going to put it probably starting in, in this uh, state of play. And one would assume that, no, why would they put PSVR 2 in a state of play when they can just have one specifically centered on it? And honestly, the reality is, I think from a marketing perspective, you got to just put them in with other games because you're not going to get the same viewers for a PSVR-centric specific state of play that you would like one that has a bunch of stuff in it. Not to say wouldn't get numbers. Obviously, PlayStation brings in a lot of eyes. But I do think that you kind of set the stage where a section of the audience just isn't going to tune in if it's like, here's our PSVR 2 state of play. Whereas if they're just added in with the rest of the games, you have a higher chance of pulling in people who aren't interested, right? Or you have, if it's just a PSVR 2 state of play, you're just going to get the people that are already interested, which honestly isn't a huge selection of people. I mean, and of, and of that audience that would tune in, you also have to think about the percentage of them that are just going to watch it because they're interested in PSVR 2 but will never actually buy it because of its price and everything. Right. But I, I do think it's in their best interest in terms of marketing to include it with other regular games because, yeah, I especially when we've heard reports of them possibly cutting down manufacturing and then Sony saying that's not true but then not providing additional context. It's like, what's going on here? Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Uh, the showcase, though, so... Uh, Final Fantasy 16 is probably a shoo-in. Marvel Spider-Man 2 is probably a shoo-in. Um, what are some big yeah. fall games that were that that are coming out this year that would be possibly be maybe third party? So um, I would expect Call of Duty because well, actually, I don't know. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> Especially with the recent arguments that, between them. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about the whole acquisition thing. But if it were last year, the previous year. You know, the previous decade, really, it would have been a shoe in And especially now that we did hear that they are doing a full 
regular full release game this year, um, which there were doubts about. So now that we know that, but obviously, yeah, the acquisition stuff makes that uh, seem unlikely. Here, Does PlayStation so. have a marketing for Suicide Squad? I don't know. Because that comes out the 26th of May. So I could see so that, that being a part of it as well. Yeah, that I will definitely sense. see Street Fighter Six. right? That oh, yeah. That's going to be a part of it for sure. Um, I'm thinking of what other games could possibly come out this year. Uh, I mean, there's the dream of The Last of Us Factions, right? Yep. Who always, knows? Always hoping uh, for that. Or Bloodborne. Remastered, I could totally see another weird uh, Death Stranding 2 trailer. Yep. That would make that's sense. That's totally possible. Um, anything else off the top of my head, I'm thinking, uh, Persona 6, I'm kind of like hoping for that, um, based on our predictions episode. Um, yeah, but it'd be really interesting if Atlas actually went with Xbox this time around for the reveal. I don't think that's likely. I think it's more likely PlayStation. I just think that'd be completely crazy if that was the case. Um, we could see, um, there's starting to be more rumors about the slim console PS5, right? With a... Detachable. But PlayStation doesn't normally do that to, for showcases, right? That's more likely its own yeah. thing. I'm, honestly, it's more likely a blog post, uh, unfortunately, if anything. Yeah. A post and a tweet or whatever. Uh, we could see, I think, uh, Armored Core 6 could show up at the PlayStation thing uh, for, for From Software. That, that, yep. That'd that be pretty likely. Um, or, um, you know, Elden Ring DLC is possible, but feels more hopeful than, the, than likely. Yeah. Hey, we're still it's still unclear where you where Ubisoft is going to partner with. Like they said they're going to be at E3, but to what extent does that mean? And they obviously often show their games another they usually align themselves with Xbox, but I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe they split, right? They give maybe PlayStation the Avatar game or something and they give Xbox the Assassin's Creed game. Um I would expect something from Supermassive, like a one of those horror games. True, that's a good call. I'd love another look at Judas, the new Ken Levine game that we saw at the yes. Game Awards. Yep. That'd be that great. Kind of Bioshock style game. Should be cool. Maybe uh, another look at Hades 2. That might be too early. Maybe they want to hold off until it's closer to release. I don't know. Um, there's that Layers of Fear sequel game, too, that I could totally see popping up. I'm just thinking of like the different genres, like hitting like horror and stuff. Or Alan Wake 2, possibly. There's a lot of a lot of things that could show up. Um. I do think, though, that this is another opportunity where we could potentially see PSVR 2 as well. Maybe yeah. announce a new Astrobot game here uh, to get people excited for it. Because if that if a new Astrobot experience is coming to PSVR 2, that's the type of VR game you save for the showcase as opposed to the state of play. Because that one will get people interested in it as opposed to like some smaller titles. Uh, we could also see uh, what's the Half-Life Alex? A yep, port of I that would be a huge it. showcase announcement as well. There was also the one that was shown at Game Awards that was like you hunting Joe Behemoth, I think it was called. It looked like Shadow of the Colossus-esque, a VR game where you're hunting giant monsters. So we'll see what happens. Uh, showcase and State of Play are exciting. It's going to be neat if we go two months into the year and we already got a presentation from all three. Um, my assumption is at the end of the day, between the three, then the direct will still sit as the one with the most prominent announcements. And then it'll probably be the state of play and then Xbox last. Not that the Xbox one is bad, but it was five games. We already knew about all of them but one. So we'll see what happens. Next up. You know, sometimes you look at your back clock and you have some shame, Dom. And reading this news actually makes me pretty shameful because of how much I love the first two Metro games. And I was super excited for Exodus. And then it came out in 2019. And 
I think I was planning on playing it in early 2020, honestly, and then COVID and everything happened, and obviously that threw a wrench in all of that. But so Insider Gaming it was that old. Yeah, that's right. weird, right? When I saw that, I was like, it came out in 2019, but we lost like two years to COVID. So yeah. timing on anything is really weird when you're like, 2023. Damn, it's been six years since 2017. Uh, Insider Gaming exclusively revealed that 4A Games, the developer of the Metro series. Uh, has a follow-up to 2019's Metro Exodus, and it's already fully playable, uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, so it is in understood by Insider Gaming that based on the details they've gathered, the game is expected to be revealed by the end of 2023 and will, with a release date in 2024. Typically, 4A Games has had a really strong relationship with Xbox, so since we just talked about the showcase, I don't think this will show up there. I think this is much more likely at the Xbox thing just because of their relationship, but you never know. I, we could totally see this, you know, Sony forking over the cash, and they're like, you're ours now. You know, we reveal it and Could announce happen. it. But I'm with you. It seems more like it'd be at an Xbox thing. Just like Exodus yeah. was big on um, the Series X marketing and stuff, I believe. Oh, for sure. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was It was a huge selling point for um, the, what was the Xbox One X and Xbox One S? Like, they kind of oh, touted yep. that as, like, the, the showpiece I mean, that's what I was thinking of, not Series X, but the One X. So this has me, I'm moving Exodus to near the top of my backlog now because I want I want to play. I love those games. And honestly, it's one of those things where I don't get shameful about my backlog because just video games are so long and there's so many of them. You can't be too mad about not playing everything, Dom. But this is one of those games of like, Jared, you're an idiot. Why haven't you played this yet? Like, your favorite food is X. They gave you X. So why aren't you eating X? You know what I mean? So... I need to get around to it. So it's cool to see that the new game's coming around the bend. Next up, this one is pretty interesting because I didn't even know this was a thing, Dom. Studio Wildlight Entertainment was announced. You're wondering, oh, a new gaming studio. What's so important about this? So it's actually comprised of former Respawn Entertainment devs. Uh, they announced their new studio with the following uh, message. Quote, we are a new fully funded entertainment studio hyper-focused on creating big, bold, original gaming universes of epic quality and scale. Oh, that's just like, cool, that's what every game company says. It's not all that surprising. The second line, though, I, I really like, where they say, we've been quietly working on a new IP for some time, and while it'll be a bit before we can say more, we're beyond excited for what's to come. It may not sound like a big thing, but I'm glad that they're coming out of the game saying it's a new IP, because just because it's a new studio doesn't mean it's going to be licensed, or they're they're going to work, since they have, maybe have a working relationship with Respawn, since they're former devs there, something there. So that's cool. I was looking at the team and one name stuck out because I had seen the name before just following the industry as we do, Dom. And I looked it up. Most notable on the team is Muhammad Alavi. Does that name ring any bells for you? <laughs> so, he's an Iranian-American game dev known for creating acclaimed Call of Duty campaign missions all gillied up in COD 4 and no Russian in MW2. Oh, dang. Yeah. So I think those are obviously no Russian is full of controversy, but I do think from a design perspective, it did things that I think a lot of people would maybe be afraid to do. And it actually makes it more interesting that it was designed by like an Iranian American uh, and that perspective on it. Um, and obviously all Gilead up is might be my favorite COD mission of all time. So, it's so good. I love that one. So he, him being on the team automatically gets me interested. Um, so this is another thing I found. He bore much responsibility for the original Titanfall involving a narrative component at all. 
pushing for longer and different introductions to each campaign map in order to convince management that the feature can be achieved within budget he designed an introduction for the airbase map in just three days okay all right and then he obviously also worked on timefall 2 which has a tremendous campaign like this guy and that's a weird thing about the game industry is we don't ever really talk about people in development that aren't game directors or studio heads right right and like this guy is a level designer that has a resume you know what i mean like even to the fact that he was pushing for narrative in in titanfall that added to that game and probably led to i i'm i would put money on the fact that he was probably part of the team that was die hard about making sure titanfall 2 had a campaign um this is to uh, some this extent. is really interesting to read about him though and to learn this because it's a good reminder, kind of what you were getting out of like one of the criticisms of the original Titanfall. I remember was like, yeah, there's not, there's no story, right? It's like pretty much multiplayer only, and the little bits of story that are there are just it's too small. It's not that great. But then this is a good reminder that like that doesn't necessarily. I mean, at the end of the day, like that's what a review is. But it's good to re- remind us or think of like, well, there might have been like like a good chunk of people there that really wanted to do something different and wanted to add more story in. Like, you know, like, it sounds like this guy did, and um, and maybe, like, that game isn't going to win, you know, uh, narrative of the year, but um, the narrative that it did have, like, thank goodness for this guy going through all that extra work, um, what sounds like over a weekend or something, just to, like, even get that much in there, story-wise. Like, that's really cool. It's a good reminder of, like, not to holistically necessarily always blame devs, because there might have been a lot of dissenting opinions on the way something came out. Well, yeah, and the fact that, like, people were talking about Titanfall not having enough narrative in it, but think about there's an alternate reality where it didn't have any at all. Like, True, exactly. If that yeah. guy didn't, he had to, you just said, he, like, he had to, like, put together some kind of proof of concept or whatever and do extra work just to convince the, you know, directors or whatever to even let them do that much story. So, like, thank goodness he did that much, right? And then that was probably, like, the starting point for Titanfall 2 to have the campaign and narrative that it did. I would like to think so like it's a really cool really cool story here for this guy yeah and as much as you know um crunching and, and uh that that type of uh environment in, in game development or any industry really can be toxic this kind of goes towards the the romanticizing of it to a certain extent because sure not it's not always necessarily bad like in this case he had something he was super passionate about and he worked towards achieving that and you know, there's an argument of like, well, maybe they should have understood. Like, he had a resume worth listening to and all this stuff. But I, I do like it is it is a little bit romantic and from a creative perspective of like, he was so passionate about this that he went out of his way to grind and maybe not use I, I don't like that word grind, you know, grind culture and all that stuff. But you know, crunch it and make this a reality. And I'm I'm very interested to see what they do and. It's weird because my gut thought, Dom, would be, oh, they're probably going to make an FPS because of their experience with his experience and the rest of the team working at Respawn. But they probably also, a lot of people that they're pulling probably also worked on Jedi Fallen Order, and that's not a first-person shooter. So um, I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on this specifically because of Muhammad Alavi and... He has a track record, so I'm very interested to see what pans out from this. Um, Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Just mark that down. Studio Wildlight. Let's get to the topic of the show, the Embracer group, embracing everything. They're setting the stage, Dom. 
Lars Wingaforce, which is a very Eastern European name, the CEO of Publisher Embracer, has recently clarified and revealed many details regarding the publishers, developers, and licenses. So we've got two major categories here. I'm going to let you pick which one we start with. Do we start with the future of Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal, or do we start with the Lord of the Rings doubling down in gaming? Crystal Dynamics. It's funny that the the Lord of the Rings stuff came out because a couple of podcasts ago we were talking about how weird that the Lord of the Rings hasn't been used more in the AAA space outside of the Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor games and then the weird Gollum one. Let's talk about Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal. So this is straight from Lars Wingafor's mouth, from his mouth to our ears. Both Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal are currently expected to release five AAA games by March 31st, 2028. Now, when you hear that, you're like, well, that's two studios putting out five games in five years. That sounds wild. He went on to clarify this includes major partnerships with other studios, which I'll get to shortly, uh, not just independently developed video games. So people were like, okay, five games in five years, what could they be? And here's a loose list, and then the last one I kind of have my own speculation on because there isn't a fifth one that people kind of had a consensus on. So number one, Dom, Perfect Dark. We know that they're working in partnership with the Initiative. That's one of them. Number two, Fable. We know that they're working in partnership with Playground Games. Those two out of the way. They're not obviously primary developers on those. Now we get to the ones where they're primarily developing. The Tomb Raider reboot sequel whatever it's going to be we know that's already in the works seems like they kind of want to bring that to market as soon as possible considering embracer just sold the rights to the tomb raider show to amazon recently remember that so that's a thing the fourth one is the rumored one and that's the reboot of deus ex the immersive sim uh cyberpunky game that people or franchise that people love so much uh the first three are kind of more rock solid Rumored Deus Ex is kind of more of like putting the pieces together. And the last one's a mystery. What's his fifth project? What could it be? Do you think in five years' time we're going to get two Tomb Raider games? Probably not. Uh, Are we going to get two Deus Ex games? Probably not. There's one license that Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal worked on, Dom. And the game came out, and it reviewed better than anybody thought. And it sold decently well. Didn't sell great, so there's a little worry that they might not continue but I sold decently well. It was on my game of the year list, had an amazing soundtrack. I'm giving you hints to see if you can guess it. From last year? No, just from, it was a lot, uh, uh, it was recent though. Okay. It's about to see, the film franchise is about to see its third entry come out in 2023. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians. I really believe that there's a chance that we get a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 sequel. Yeah, um, I forgot about that game. That makes a lot of sense because, yeah, that it reviewed pretty well, and I don't know why. Like, yeah, I don't remember if we we heard much about sales for that one. It was okay. They weren't okay. fantastic, but they weren't terrible. Yeah, but with the the third movie coming around now, um, and that being in the zeitgeist, like that might boost up the the demand for another game. I could see this. That's a good. That's a good pick. Yeah, and you know, with this being the last movie in the trilogy, James Gunn no longer directing the movies. I think if this comes out in the next two years, you 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 kind of bank on people yearning for more Guardians because it's probably going to be a while before we get them again. 
and I really liked the first game. Uh, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it had a lot of good to it. It felt uniquely Guardians of the Galaxy and nailed the humor. Um, I love that the way they handled um, the unlockables being various costumes from the comics. Um, they, it ended with a cliffhanger in which the game itself was satisfying, but you could definitely do a sequel. You could introduce more characters. And looking at the landscape of Marvel licensed games, I don't know if we're ever going to get an Ultimate Alliance anytime soon despite that game selling really well i reviewed like middling marvel's avengers obviously is closing really soon uh midnight suns reviewed very well but 2k came out and said it didn't meet their sales expectations at all which kind of makes sense for the genre it was in so when marvel's looking at where they can go outside of insomniac i think they might look and be like it sold okay if we put more marketing behind this i think it could sell even better because I think it also released in the fall, in a crowded fall, a, around a bunch of games in, like, yes. October. Yeah. And if you have a, a Guardian earlier, sequel come yeah. out, like, in January, February, I think it could do way better in terms of timing. So that's where my money would lie. Um, out of all of those, I think, obviously, I'm probably most excited for Fable and Perfect Dark, but those aren't really tied necessarily to Crystal Dynamics and Idols Montreal. Tomb Raider's fine. I like Tomb Raider enough. Deus Ex is the one I want to see come back in a modern reboot, Dom, because the way I've heard people talk about Deus Ex, it is a little bit hardcore in its systems, but people love the world and what it could possibly be in, like, the modern age of gaming. Not that the the last one came out, I think, in 2015 or something, so it's not too old, but I, that's what the one I'm most curious about, and obviously I'd love Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Out of those three, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which one piques your interest the most out of the you know not partnered projects none of them not really so yeah but uh, the uh the first of the tomb raider reboots from i don't know what it was 2013 or 14 or whatever i thought it was a fun game and then having started the sequel to that almost like within an hour i was like just this dialogue is just ridiculous and it just felt cringy and and I ended up just dropping off. I was like, ah, I just don't care. It's just not, I don't know. It's just not cool for me at the time, at least. So, like, I'm not getting, unless, like, it's something totally different, I'm not getting super excited about more Tomb Raider from them. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe. But, I, you know, I haven't watched any of those movies still. So, um, I, I, that it's a maybe for me, really based on you urging me to watch the movies so much and I'm still resisting I think I've said on numerous occasions Dom I know you're not a huge Marvel guy but if there's any sub franchise please just watch the Guardians movies yeah um so that's a maybe um Deus Ex is actually interesting Deus Ex that was Deus Ex that was called yeah it's like Deus Ex Machina kind of yeah that's where I was getting it mixed up because there was that whole thing okay but I remember playing I can't remember the subtitle but it was the one that came out on Xbox 360 probably in like 2012 and I thought it looked really cool, you know, all the marketing and stuff at the time. And I had just gotten, I was, I had just like gotten done playing a bunch of Skyrim and, and Dark Souls and, um, and, and Fallout and some other RPGs like in the previous couple of years, um, which wasn't really me up until I, at that point, my life was like high school, I guess. But then I went to try to play man, uh, Deus Ex Mankind Divided or Human something, whichever one. And it was so difficult. And I just, the systems just were like so foreign to me and so weird and 
after a couple hours I dropped off I was like this is just doesn't feel like me it felt too um too much of like a strategy type of game um that sort of thing and the yeah the the mechanics were just odd the controls were odd to me it just I didn't know what I was getting into when I started that game it's a little too obtuse I think for a lot of people yeah and maybe I just I've matured a lot since then and I could better appreciate it now as it is but ultimately as far as the perception of it in my head I hope it changes um if it's if it wants to get my attention at least well the funny thing is so Deus Ex was created by do you know who Warren Spector is no he's like a famed video game developer he was responsible for System Shock which obviously inspired Ken Levine to make Bioshock and I think Deus Ex needs the System Shock to Bioshock evolution uh, despite it, uh, re- you know, releasing relatively recently. So Human Revolution was the one in 2011 for the 360. So that's what I was And then of. Mankind Divided was 2016 for uh, last-gen consoles. So I've never played them, but they've always looked really cool. And the thing I've always heard is, like, it, the, in terms of an immersive sim, they nailed that, the world and everything, but the systems were very obtuse, and you're either in or out. Like, it was very much, like, you know, oil and water type vibe where... Uh, or oil and yeah oil and water it's just like it it didn't mix uh you know, there was no like it didn't massage you into it it's either it, it hits you in the face and you either enjoyed it or you didn't and kind of bounce people off in that way so i'm hoping that it comes back in in an interesting way because the series kind of from what i've read also heavily inspired the dishonored games from arcane oh yeah uh, because of okay. the immersive systems and all that stuff so um I and hope actually, it kind of goes in a, a kind of a human centipede thing where, you know, uh, Arcane was inspired by Deus Ex, and hopefully the next Deus Ex is inspired by Arcane's game design, and that'd be really neat. I agree with your point. Your metaphor is disgusting, but um, people usually uh, say snake eating its own tail, but the human centipede thing is like it's because it's multiple things, and it's just the same thing eating itself. You know what I mean? Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point that you brought up about Dishonor, though, because that is one thing I do remember about it, um, which was so foreign to me and new at the time, was I remember trying to look up guides of, like, how do I do this? Like, how do I accomplish this objective in this Deus Ex game that it wants? And it's like, well, you can do this. You can hack the door, or you can sneak in through the vent, or you can go around and just blast a hole in the wall, and all this sort of stuff, right? Of different ways to get into this room where I had to, you know, probably kill someone or steal something or whatever it was which is the most dishonored thing possible. The difference was in Dishonored, it was um, less RPG-focused and more... Um, you just had the abilities and you could just do it different ways. You just zip up to that vent instead of uh, having to have like this skill up to a certain point. I don't know. Hey, but I'm with you. I wanna, I'd, be, I'd be curious. I think I'll put it this way. Out of all the different Crystal games we've talked about, more Deus Ex, at least to me, is the most interesting because it's like... Well, I wonder what they're doing with that. It's just maybe a little more unknown than more Tomb Raider or even another Guardians of the Galaxy game. I think Deus Ex just, that's interesting. What could they do with it differently or what what, what at all is it? Yeah, and if, you know, somebody said, here's 15 bucks, put it on the one you think has the highest chance of selling Dom, it, for me, it would be Deus Ex. I think that's the one that, not that it would necessarily really? sell you, but I think it would have the highest chance. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah be, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, because of your love for arcane games. So it's like, I think that's why. Um, Let's talk about Lord of the Rings. I've wanted some AAA Lord of the Rings experiences, uh, and we've gotten the Shadow games, which were good games, but 
I want more. And Embrace a Group hears me loud and proud, and hopefully we'll see what happens. Um, so Embrace a Group, the current holder of the Lord of the Rings license for video games, confirmed that five licensed games are in production, all of which are set to release by early 2024. Early 2024. It's ambitious. The publisher's acquisition of Middle-Earth Enterprises has generated a lot of interest among, this is from them, has, quote, generated a lot of interest among both internal and external partners for the Lord of the Rings IP across different media formats. Keep that in mind. Okay, sure, sure. The only currently announced title set in Middle-Earth is Lord of the Rings Gollum, which is being produced by uh, Daedalic Entertainment has been delayed several times. It's the cursed-looking Lord of the Rings yeah. game. The so five projects. If the Gollum game is included, that means there's four games left. If they're aiming to have them released by early 2024, that means that none of them can be huge titles. Um, I would bet that out of those four remaining games, half of them are mobile, Dom. I'd put money on two oh. of them being mobile. Yep, of course. Especially with them specifically stating across media formats. My other hope is that I don't know what year they actually acquired the license. I'd have to go and look that up. But um, just because they're coming out within a year doesn't mean they have only been in development for a short time. But my hope is that we get a cadence of Hyrule situation where I just want these license owners to give the IP to people, devs of different sizes, and let them make something. Like, sure, I love the Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor games, Give me a cool Lord of the Rings indie title. Uh, give me a give me a two D platformer. Give me a a, a roguelike, a, a roguelike Lord of the Rings game would actually be pretty sick. Uh, set in a certain age where you have you know maybe it's like a mix of like Rogue Legacy as well, where every time you die, maybe time progresses to a certain extent, and it's like a lineage thing. Um, there's there's plenty of fun things you can do with it, and I want to see this more. Uh, I'm you know we don't even know if it's the case, but. The fact that there's so many different games, I can't imagine the other two being middle to triple A. I imagine, and I just hope they're not all like mobile-y type games. Not that they all release mobile, but they're just all small garbage games. Um, I wonder, you know what, I'll bet. I'll bet you get something on PSVR too. Boom. And it won't be great. You know, it'll be, they're just, I feel like they've. there's been so many licensed uh, games and experiences even that have come to VR. Um, especially PSVR, right? There's like a, there's like, like two or three Star Wars ones, and there's a Batman one, and all sorts of like small things that um, I could definitely see. In fact, maybe that Gollum game actually like has a VR mode, and that's why I'm thinking of this. Now I'm gonna validate. Maybe that's, that's the why case. they delayed it too to put that in. Yeah. Um, man, like I would love even that'll never happen, but like the team, the UBR team that did Valiant Hearts, making a Lord of the Rings game that art style where it's more like narrative focus, it would be so sick. There's so many things you can do. So I'm hoping, here's the thing. Widen it, Dom. There's five games coming. Please, the universe, let one of them be interesting to me. I just want one of them. Just give me one. Because um, I, do you, did you ever play the PS2 Lord of the Rings licensed games for the movies? No. We, we talked about this, and I ended up going and like looking yeah. at some gameplay. Like, okay, I, I might have, like, at a friend's house, seen it before. But I definitely didn't spend any um, time with it, and now I'm. I had to like just kick back. There was already a PSVR Gollum game, and okay, it has nothing to do with Lord of the Rings though. So just it's just unlicensed, probably. 
Yeah, or something. Yeah. Never mind. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I want more. The, I don't even know if those games hold up all that well, the PS2 ones, but they were fun in memory. And yeah, it's just going back to the thing I said earlier. I just want more licensed games that vary on the spectrum of price point and development budget and all that stuff. Cause you know, Candace Hyrule wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but it was some people's cup of tea and it was a nice, I mean, it was good. It was that's the last, a very good game. That's the last top down Zelda we got right. New Zelda. And we're, I'm going to get into this again, but I've been having that same thought for months now and it's frustrated me. And we, we obviously got the remake for Link's Awakening, but I want more of that style of game. There's some good indies that have come out, but they're still not quite, I don't fully top down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's not been that, that there's like Death's Door. You think they're saving Smothers, 2D, but... you know, quote unquote 2D Zelda and 2D Mario for the next Switch? I don't know. Probably. The way, that's what I've like come to unfortunately realize is that Nintendo especially just loves to hold on to things and stretch it out and really plan ahead and there's and it's smart I get it but yeah they probably have just a whole two decade long roadmap of when they're doing what as far as the you know the types of games like that like oh we'll do another 2D style Zelda somewhere in this time frame in four or five years or whatever um so I, I feel like probably yeah they probably have something in the chamber just deciding when to shoot it yeah it's it's frustrating because even like it's one thing for us to wait you know six years and get a Bethesda game per generation because they take so long to develop but with Nintendo it just feels like yeah they're be they're 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 rationing it out it's not that they yes. need to do it they want to do it which kind of sucks um yeah I I I hope we continue this like path where we get some quality licensed games because you know marvel has some misses for sure but you know i talked about guardians marvel snap i enjoyed marvel's avengers i know it's flawed but i actually really enjoyed it uh, i want to eventually get to midnight suns and from you know it reviewed very well and i think i think i will end up enjoying it and i want that for other properties too we don't just get we don't get that enough like why hasn't there been a new james bond game yeah so we're one that isn't as week. ass as Goldeneye. <laughs> right, a new one, like not just an N64 game. Yeah. yeah. That's why, like, I've never seen an Indiana Jones movie, but I'm excited to see what Machine Games does because I trust them as a developer. And you know what? Um, until about two weeks ago, I had never seen an Indiana Jones movie, but your boy sat down and watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it was good. Yeah. Yeah, my, sure. it's the same thing I have with the 007 movies of, like, Watching movies that old, I know I'm going to see some problematic stuff. <laughs> you just kind of have to, like, wipe it away. I'm like, you know, it was a time. Just kind of deal with it. And 007, way worse than Indiana Jones in that on that front uh, with the womanizing and all of that stuff. Really, really, really bad. Um, yeah, hopefully we see more dope licensed games. Do you think we get another Ultimate Alliance anytime soon? When even was that? Because, like, I want to say, like, 2017? Let me check. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. So there was a there was a recent one because it because well, yeah, remember it came out near the launch of the Switch. Okay. Remember Jarvis just... and I would uh, uh, Jordan Jarvis and I would always argue about uh, we're waiting for it to go on sale. Oh, yeah, it'll never go on sale. Remember that whole bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, twenty nineteen apparently. <laughs> I thought it was twenty seventeen. Huh. 
Okay. We lost so much time to COVID, man. It's so weird. <laughs> the, the worst part of it was like, when we have these realizations, of course, um, of stuff that the, there's posts and we can see when it's from. But then like when I just had a birthday a few weeks ago and I'm like, I'm how old? How did that happen? Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. And like, where, like it, being an adult, time goes by fast or something. I'm like, Especially I'm 31, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it. Gonna be dust soon. Nothing but dust and ash. <laughs> um, I I would say, on a scale of one to ten, Dom, how how much are you a fan of Lord of the Rings? Seven. Seven. And obviously, Star Wars is a ten, right? Yeah, obviously, I break the scale for that. But yes. Yeah, yeah. So I would probably say I'm opposite of you with those. Then I think is probably the comfortable thing. Yeah, because I think Lord of the Rings would be 10, and I think, no, Star Wars may be a little bit higher, like 8 or 9, I, th- I think. I don't know. It's, what, we're, speaking of, we mentioned Ubisoft earlier. Do we, do we see that, that their game this year, do you think? They're desperate yeah. for cash flow. They're desperate for any kind of hype, too. I did see they said something around, like, we'll be at E3, and we have lots to show. You know, whatever the heck all that means. So it's like... I'm. I want to be hopeful that maybe we should, but I'm too cynical mostly, um, and I have to like force myself into being hopeful. Sometimes when we do predictions, like, well, maybe I can just will it into existence. But the universe doesn't yeah. get to show us Eclipse and then not show us the Ubisoft game. Yeah, exactly. And I, uh, I just, I want to see what it is. I mean, I, they're working on it, so like, I want. I guess it's not so much. I won't say that I want to see it. I want them to be successful in what they're building, and I hope it comes out great. And that's and then I want that. I want to see that. I don't want it to be bad. I don't want to see if it's still in beyond and that kind of thing. I just I want it to be good. I want them to have a great time making a great game, and nobody has to work overtime if they don't want. There's three games I think everyone's in the credits, even if they left the studio. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's a whole thing. There's three games that I don't think we see this year that I hope we see one of them. And that's the Star Wars Ubisoft game, the Black Panther open world game, yes, that and one too. actual gameplay of Amy Hennig's Marvel game. Like, those yes. are the three I want to see this year, and I don't think we will, but, like, they're very unrealistic. Just show us. You know, we didn't talk about this in the predictions. With Resident Evil 4 coming out, remake coming out this year, do you think we see Resident Evil 9? This year, yeah, teased. that's a that's a good that would have been a good prediction. Almost certainly, sometime in the fall, we'll probably hear about it. Yeah, because we've never gone where we didn't know the next Resident Evil when the one released, right? You know, what we I'm saying? always know the next one and the next remake. It's even like the past five years. Yeah, which the five and six thing is going to be so weird because they're nowhere near as beloved as the first four. It's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Hopefully, at that I point, if... they're not even really remakes. I think they're probably just going to change the entire game. I, I That's what I was just going to say, is that if they do it, I hope that they actually, like, Final Fantasy VII Remake it and not... Yeah. Yeah. But is that... I mean, I know, like, the general consensus is those games aren't great. They're way too action-y. But, like, they are what they are, though. And someone designed them and made them maybe a little too much influenced by trying to just make money and appeal to just more people instead of focusing on quality you could make that argument but 
all that being said, someone designed them to be the way they are. That's how they're made. And sometimes it feels like you'd be betraying that person's or that team's original intent if you just cut out yeah. that. But I get why you would, though, and I don't know. That's not, But that's not taking into account the oversight that often happens where publishers kind of push games to be developed a certain way. Like a yeah. perfect example is Dead Space 3. No one in their right mind wants to hear that Dead Space 3 is going to be remade and be faithful. <laughs> like, the, pe people don't want faithful with Dead Space 3. They want faithful with Dead Space and Dead Space 2. Dead Space 3, people just wanted to be completely different because that yeah. game was specifically designed with EA's grubby little paws all over it with the dollar signs in their eyes. And at that point, I don't think that game has anybody's original vision attached to it. You know what I mean? It's like a conglomerate yeah. of what will make us the most money. Um, and I, that's an interesting conversation, though. Like, it's only as valuable to keep it faithful as it correlates directly to how much it means to people. Like, it... I don't know how to phrase that correctly. It's like, it's like a pendulum, right? Of like, they they have to balance out because if if you are are faithful to a shitty game, people are gonna be pissed that you didn't change it. Or if people's if you change too much about a game people love, people are gonna be pissed about it. So like, it has to be a game people love in order for you to keep it faithful, so everyone's happy. Like those things have to balance out. So. And just to me, the the point of doing remakes and remasters is to do what couldn't be done at the time based on techno technological limitations, right? And not yeah. to necessarily change the vision uh, and the design necessarily. Um, obviously, there's For some remake specifically, yeah, yeah. So like Final Fantasy VII, obviously, like total, like just it's so different. But like the technology at the time couldn't have done that. Probably couldn't even really. I mean have done real-time combat at least not in the way that the remake did it um well there's also so that, theories that like square enix did a clever thing where the remake and final fantasy 7 remake doesn't actually mean what it means for other games that have remake in the title but that it's like the thematic thing of the game that it is a remake like you're remaking the story of final fantasy 7 that's like sure. the other two sequels are called like re re whatever and rebirth and re whatever you know what i mean so and I guess, I guess I have to think about it from like, not just technology, but like from the audience's perspective. It's like you're remaking it, to using the new tools so that it's accessible to more people today because the original version is no longer palatable to wider audiences or something like that, right? Yeah. Maybe the, the mechanics are just so outdated that like no one is going to do that anymore. No one's going to play that anymore unless they were there for the original. Um, if it just doesn't hold up for whatever the reason was, they did it the way they did it. But now we can make it better. Because if if you can't do that, then it's like, is it worth remaking? Or is if it is, if it does hold up so perfectly well that it's like, well, then you don't need to. It already exists, and there's not really True. you're not adding any value to it. Uh, what are we? How did we get going on this? What are we? Originally I have talking no idea. About? Uh, we we're. T what? How? What did it come from? I always I don't like finish by connecting back to what I started with <laughs> yeah. when I find myself. Uh, just just babbling rambling i can't even remember yeah uh but to your point though i think that like it's a difficult job because they have to deliver what the player remembers it feeling like and not actually what it was like right and that's a tough yeah. thing as well of like 
you want to capture the nostalgia of what they remember it being, not necessarily what it is as it holds up in modern times. That's always a tough task as well. Yeah, it's we went on this weird little remake tangent. It is. <laughs> uh, let's talk about what we've been playing before we close out the show. Not for, much for my end. I'm kind of just waiting for Atomic Heart to come out, have that pre-downloaded. We were talking before the show. That sucker's like 80 gigs. It's a big, thick boy. It's a big game. Beef. Beef um, and potatoes on that one. I'm just hoping that that makes it so the game doesn't run poorly. Because that's my that was my one worry at launch is this game has all the makings of something that doesn't run all that well at launch. Uh, and hopefully that's the case with the... Not that that correlates at all. I'm just, you know, head can in there. Uh, in terms of what I've been playing, I dabbled some more with Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition. Just nice. building up a base and having fun with that. It's it's one of those, like, brainworm things where you get the dopamine rush of, like, you upgraded to the Stone Age and you get to the next stage and you get these new buildings and... Like I said, I this get, gets me so excited for a console port of a definitive edition of Age of Mythology because that was always my shit. Uh, so hopefully that's the case. Otherwise, I watched this video from these YouTubers I like, and they played Pokemon Pinball, Dom. OG Pokemon oh, nice. Pinball. Yeah. And I never played that game, and it looked super fun. I like the mechanics of having to catch Pokemon in the in a pinball game. And honestly, that's shot to the top of my thing of the two Pokemon pinball games because they only made two, the Game Boy and the DS. Or, sorry, the uh, yeah, the Game Boy and the Advance. Um, those are two that I hope come to the Nintendo Switch Online because if they do, I'll definitely subscribe for at least a month or two to play those games. Those are part of the, you know, obviously the main lines we want to come, but those are two spinoffs. So I've been craving pinball. I'm like, oh, how do I play pinball? I already played Yoku Island Express, which is a really cool 2D platformer using pinball mechanics if you haven't played it go check it out it's a really fun underrated game actually a couple of weeks ago i was looking up what the developer has been working on since a release in 2018 nothing not that they haven't been working anything nothing's been announced so a shadow announcement shadow drop announcement of yoku island express 2 would get me hype maybe we'll see that at the state of play i just remembered that game um but i was looking around i was like you know they have those generic pinball games where the game's free and then you buy all the licensed pinball tables like you can buy the Marvel one or the Star Wars one. I'm like, ah, oh, this seems like a cash grab. And I was looking at the gameplay. I'm like, these are very traditional arcade cabinets. And I'm not really, I like, I want a video game arcade cabinet, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. tend to stay a little too authentic. I was looking around, and you might want to Google this because it kind of caught me by surprise. The game's called Demon's Tilt. And it's presented oh, as an occult pinball game. And this game is super dope. It's like you're playing Tetris Effect. The, the amount of effects and the visual fidelity that's going on, and it's a single pinball table, and you're fighting bosses in it and enemies, and depending on where you are on the board, it has like three levels going up. You attack different enemies, and it's super fun. Like I said, visually, it's a feast for the eyes. The music is Ooh. killer. Yeah, it it's is. Really, it's, it's what I was looking for. I just wanted a pinball game that wasn't as traditional. It's more video gamey, and it's sick. And the beauty of the universe, Dom, it was on sale for six bucks. Normally it's like a twenty dollar game. And it was on sale for six bucks. I was like, wow, this couldn't have worked out better. I am like wanting to play a pinball game and this game looks super interesting and it's on sale, so I picked it up and I've been playing it and I'm having a blast. It's really cool and what I've learned is that and this is probably how people who are like really into actual pinball feel, is that the more I'm playing it, the more I'm learning about like the mechanics of the board itself and like oh, well, I kind of want to target this specific area and try to get the ball on this side so I can hit it with this flipper to hit this thing. 
And yeah, I'm having a blast. It's really fun. It's like I said, it's it's the dopamine rush I'm getting, and uh, it's just a weird um, craving I had of like I want to play a pinball game and just sublime timing. Yeah, you were right about a feast for the eyes. Like yeah, it was absolutely um, neon and chaotic and arcadey looking and actually cool. And it's ironic because well now I guess a week ago yeah, we get. I got a year ago, we get a new um, arcade bar in town um, that I neglected to go to for so long until finally a couple weeks back, finally did and played. I must have lost like at least five bucks to this Mandalorian pinball machine. Hell yeah. <laughs> pretty fun. Um, and I, I don't really have any experience with pinball. Certainly not the, the real Physically ones. for me, I, that's how I am too. Yeah. Um, and so that was something I, I never connected with, but I you know, saw the Mandalorian one and it's uh, it was pretty neat. It's really difficult. Like, um, there and there's so much. I could totally see how you could get really into it, into the minutia of like, kind of what you're saying, where you're aiming, obviously, and like what you're trying to do with the board. But just the way the ball interacts with each paddle is like so specific and like down to the millimeter of timing and everything. It's just, I could actually kind of see myself like getting lost into that um, if I really wanted to. But it was fun for the time, at least. And, I always like seeing um, our silver helmeted friend and our little green baby Yoda friend. And the cool thing with this uh, Demon's Tilt is that because it's a video game, the board itself evolves. Like if you kill an enemy, it, you get new enemies and stuff, which you can't really get in real life and unless it's probably like a super advanced pinball table. Um, I like this uh, pinball chat we're having too because now you just reminded me that um, this past Christmas at my, my, um, my mom's house, my stepdad gets this new pinball machine and it's a cabinet, you know, like you would normally expect in an arcade, but the whole thing is actually digital. So you can cycle through different boards, different pinball boards on the machine. So it's really just a big TV in the shape of a pinball machine, right? Oh, um, cool. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Exactly. And there's buttons on the side that hit the paddles. But again, the paddles are virtual, but it feels, it, it's, it's really, it was really well made. I'm sure there's crappier versions, but this one was really cool. The latency wasn't bad at all. It felt really good. It was so snappy, like incredibly oh, yeah. snappy. Um, obviously, I'm not like a purist, and people who like real machines, you know, they're going to oh, know yeah, it's not they real. Want the mechanical feedback. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but it was still incredibly cool. I've never seen anything like it. And yeah, it, had, it came with, I think, I don't know, 10 or something different boards and. Um, and other games too, of course, that weren't even pinball were loaded in there and fun stuff like that. But yeah, it was really neat. Yeah. I'm like a severe brain injury away from becoming one of those people who like would buy broken down pinball table, pinball machines and, uh, yeah. uh, and like arcade cabinets and just rebuilding them uh, and just tinkering with them that. and stuff like that. Maybe not a serious brain injury away, maybe like 15 years of birth away. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It shows my ignorance too of like digital pinball machines actually exist. Are you familiar with Yoku Island, uh, Yoku's Island Express? No. no I Google that real like quick. Google. So it's it's a 2D platformer, but it uses pinball mechanics, and it was really fun. It was a really cool game. I think it popped up on Game Pass is why I played it. Um, and you're this like weird little insect guy, and he rolls up into a ball, and the way you traverse the map is by getting into these slots and play like it's like pinball. Like it'll shoot you in an area and use a flippers to like hit you in certain directions and stuff like that very inventive game design of like we love pinball but we also love 2d platformers let's make a pinball 2d platformer it was really really awesome unlike anything i've really played in in that space 
Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, so far it's just a little dude rolling a ball around like a snowman. It it was it was a fun time. Like I said, I hope uh, if they were to announce a sequel, I'd be on that day one. And just one of those hidden gem indie games. I mean, there's tons of those, but yeah, that's been our our pinball talk for this week. Um, <laughs> that, like I said, that's pretty much it for me. Just Demons Tilt, uh, and Age of Empires. Obviously, I've played some of my regular stuff like Rocket League, and then that's interesting. It's an addiction at this point of like I I you know I got to play Rocket League at least once a week. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Anything on your end? Yeah, I finally got a couple things. Um, so I'm going to start by saying I played an indie game that's a bit older at this point called Reverie. And as you can Revelry guess... Reverie or Reverie? Reverie. Okay, I'm going to look it up. And so as you can guess, based on that title, it tries to um, feed on some nostalgia, specifically for A Link to the Past, because this, Jared, is the result of my yearning for a top-down Zelda game. Heck, <laughs> finally, I found this for only a couple bucks. Um, on sale and it's basically uh, a bit modern version of A Link to the Past much much smaller scope and the art style though is more like Earthbound so it's that kind of like young kid sort of aesthetic but the top down perspective and melee combat um, dungeons and that kind of stuff puzzles that you'd find in a 2D Zelda game and the last bit about it that was kind of neat is the developers are obviously um, from. I'm gonna. I'm gonna sound really ignorant. New Zealand. I don't know. New Zealand. I didn't I'm know if it was New Zealand. About the page. <laughs> yeah, if it was New Zealand or Australia, I kind of like mix up parts of each of those countries and their cultures and different things. But that stuff, uh, like stuff about New Zealand and and some of their culture is littered throughout the game, and is pretty cool. Um, not that I understand it all, but I can. Uh, definitely appreciate it um, and it's cool that they were able to put some of those touches into their game and it was a cool little game it was a, it was a good bit of fun so um I really I definitely want... see the earthbound vibes looking at screenshots and stuff you, yeah you nailed that comparison yeah all the the art style for some reason it does look like earthbound but then um yeah and it's and it's it's pretty basic nothing um nothing super inventive or out of the ordinary but just it was just exactly what I was looking for. Um, it filled your craving, like Demon's Still for my pinball craving. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're not always looking for a 10 out of 10. It's just something that matches the thing you're yearning to play. This looks cool. And it's like that thing of sometimes a 10 out of 10 is like, well, what am I looking at? What am I looking for exactly right now? And so like, to me, it couldn't have been more of a 10 out of 10 for exactly sure, what I wanted. Point. Yeah. And what it was trying to do. I think for what it was trying to do, it did it perfectly. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's kind of, that's a whole other discussion, I guess. But it accomplished what it set out to do, so in that way, it is exactly. a 10 out of 10. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like how you view it can change your... Anyway, it was cool. I recommend it for people who like top-down Zelda games um, and are racist to New Zealanders, because if you are, you probably wouldn't like it. Um, but I also, finally, after we talked last week, Jared, I downloaded the demos for Sea of Stars and for Octopath Traveler 2. I have and, those both downloaded. Haven't played them yet. <laughs> yeah, I like made it a point because I, like, right, I want to get into this. I've really been feeling the Switch lately, and I want to keep pushing on that because it I forget it does allow me to like get more time to game um, than I otherwise would being a portable in spurts. Yeah, exactly. It's even like it's. I still feel it's more convenient than like streaming from 
the Xbox or the PlayStation to my phone or whatever and like hooking the controller to that. Like the Switch just feels like it's its own isolated device. So I've been trying to push on that um, a bit more. But Sea of Stars is just really nice to look at. Um, I'm only in like this one area in this one world or whatever. I assume there's more in the demo um, or there will be more than what is in the demo in the full game. But I just really like the art style. It's really cool. Um, I didn't get a great idea of what was going on with the story. I played for like an hour, um, if that. And it, for the combat, I'm sure it gets... Um, I'm sure there's more to it than like I even realized. And as you probably play in the real game, it gets more um, intricate, maybe does some different things. But it just feels you know like a good turn-based JRPG combat system. So it's nothing, nothing there really wowed me. But it was just like... I don't know, I really like their art style and the way you, some of these RPGs, like it's, it feels weird, like especially in the older ones, like how you navigate through the world um, where like it's like flat, but you're not, your character's not. And so you're kind of walking and you can't tell what, where, <laughs> yeah. what, where you can go, if you know what I mean. Um, but this one, like it was really cool. That wasn't really the case. It still had that same kind of art style where things are like a little flat looking, but in a way that just worked really well and was really cool. Um, so needless to say, I'm super excited for that game to fully come out, uh, this year, even though it's, um, against my own interest because it's on your fantasy critic team. I will. Oh, and you counterpicked it. I forgot. Yeah, I know <laughs> for lack of a better counterpick to choose, but, um, yeah, I, it was really cool. I liked that demo a lot. I'm looking forward to the full game releasing. Cause I also wonder like if it will be, you know, like a 20 or $30 game because it's an indie studio, um, and if that also means that it'll be a smaller scope, whereas a lot of RPGs like that also take 50 or, you know, 30, 40, 50 hours to finish, which is a harder, it's harder to get into when you know if that's the case, right? It's harder to dive in. But um, compared to Octopath Traveler 2, which I also spent time with the demo, and probably even more than Sea of Stars, obviously we, we've seen the first game, but this art style is just like all the time, just draw dropping just constantly and the same thing it's such a joy to walk around that world and like go upstairs and like just interact with the town's people and the, I don't know, go into buildings and stuff it's just the way everything looks and feels as you're going through it is just i don't know it's just nice i could just like walk around and just like be there and it just felt really good and it was just i don't know felt like a, a massage for your eyes almost something like that we're like you're not even really doing much um it's just nice and got a little bit more into the combat in Octopath and started to learn some of the ins and outs of it, at least in the demo. But again, I'm sure it gets much deeper in the full game when that comes out. But started to enjoy that a lot too and use some of the different um, you know, strategies that they're obviously trying to push towards me. And, and in this case, even in the demo, you can pick from one of the eight characters to start with. So I only did one for now. And right out the game, I'm like, this is good story like i'm interested to see what else happens to this dude who the one the guy i picked was like a super self-righteous like church appointed um secret service kind of guy i, I don't they, they call him an inquisitor or whatever um and then some really dramatic horrible shit happens um at his church and you're kind of on a bit of a mission to figure out you know who and why that all happened and i was like you know this is pretty interesting um and so it makes me now just kind of wondering, like, there's seven other stories. Are they all this interesting? 
And obviously, I'm like, everyone who's played the first Octopath Traveler is like, yeah, dude, that's exactly what the point of the game is. There's different, <laughs> eight different stories or whatever. So I'm pretty excited for this one, too. I might end up being like playing both these RPGs this year on my Switch, which um, would be a bit of a departure from my usual genre. But I like these demos a lot. And like, thank goodness um, for Nintendo or these developers, whoever could take credit for doing demos. Um, it's awesome. I, I love having demos available. It makes I would never have just bought either of these games, most likely, um, without a demo, unless it was something you told me or you know someone I trusted really well, really urged me to. But yeah, great demos on the on the Switch right now. Yeah, it the the thing with Octopath, I think, is the biggest complaint that the first game was that people had an issue that the party members themselves rarely interacted with one another, but their individual stories for each of them was really good. Uh, yeah, I have both those demos downloaded. I need to get to them. The Sea of Stars, whenever I look at gameplay of that game, like just the level of detail in the animations is wild. Um, the music so is cool. so good. Um, I'm glad oh. these two games aren't coming out at the same time. Thankfully, there's like a huge gap between the two, thankfully. Because Sea of Stars is August, we learned recently, right? Yep. And when's Octopath? Uh, I believe it's March. I'm going to look it up right now for you. I have it on, let's see, on my video game release calendar. And that was I one, want to say early thing. March, but I could be wrong. It is next week. Dang. Okay, shoot. The 24th. And then one last thing for Octopath that surprised me, voice acting. Uh, there's a ton of it. Like Most of the lines are red, and it sounds great. And the actors are like really putting it in, and they're not... Uh, you know, they're not just phoning it in, like they're just doing work. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I didn't Which sounds like that. it should be expected, but not for those type of games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. you're lucky. It's mostly just text reading. So that's really cool to know. I need to get to those ASAP. You got me thirsting for, especially Sea of Stars. It's funny. It's always, it's always that thing where like you hear about an indie game and you're like, oh, from your description, it sounds cool. And then you actually play it and you're like, oh, I get why people are super interested in this now. Like I totally get the, the gist of it. Um, that's it for this week's episode. Um, maybe by this time next week, we'll be talking about, uh, the state of play being announced. That'd be really cool. We'll see what happens. Um, if we end up recording on the Friday, potentially we could get your early impressions on Octopath Traveler 2. If you hop into it, we'll see. I didn't even realize the game was coming out next week. Yeah, that's We're getting Atomic Cards and that next week. That's really cool. Good week for video games. Um, anyways, we'll catch you guys next time. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, CTRLINT, it's controlled interest abbreviated. Individually, I am at Jared Weich, that's J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E. Dom is at Obi Dom Kenobi, as like Obi-Wan Kenobi, but the Obi, uh, the O and Obi is the number zero, not the letter O. Yeah, I said, whenever I say that, I always, I'm worried I'm going to flip that. Uh, go to YouTube, search controlled interest, we'll pop right up, subscribe so you never miss an episode. Like the video so we know you're enjoying it and it helps us in the algorithm. And leave us a comment and let us know, out of all those Eidos Montreal and Crystal Dynamics projects, not the partner ones, because most people are excited for Fable and Perfect Dark, those other three, Tomb Raider, Guardians, and Deus Ex, which one would you be most excited for coming back? And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time on all the podcast services, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. See you guys then.